This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. to the Holy of Holies now. Mercy, mercy, mercy. You notice the writer says it's not the mercy seat, but it's the seat. It's the throne of grace. It's the throne of grace. In awe, we can come boldly because of the grace of God. We can be one with God. We can go before his throne because of his son, Jesus Christ, the great high priest. We now go to the throne room of grace. All because of Jesus. We're so far removed from the religious system of the Old Testament that it's hard to grasp the scope of what Jesus did on the cross. It took entire books to detail the complicated system needed to seek atonement through the blood of animals. And even then, it was all just symbolic. No one was actually saved by the blood of an innocent lamb. Today, Pastor Eddie will help us understand the incredible work that our high priest Jesus accomplished. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 as he begins his message, Jesus the Great High Priest. Here we're talking about about 100 AD when this uh, first John was written uh, about that time. And we're talking, it's still the same thing the enemy uses to, t- to cause us to stumble. But you know what? So was our high priest, Jesus Christ. You remember after Jesus was baptized, he was being, he was being tempted in the desert. He was fasting in the desert. Satan went to him, hey, if you see these stones? They look good, right? Turn them into bread. Well, he took him to the pinnacle, high pinnacle, and said, hey, throw yourself off. God would catch you. He actually misquoted scripture, and that's why it's important that we know scripture. Then he said, bow to me, and I'll give you the world. To me, that's right there. That is based on my studying the life of Christ and looking for God. I think that's the greatest temptation Jesus ever had right there. Bow to me, and I'll give you the world. Jesus didn't argue with him because he took the keys from Adam from the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned. Remember, God gave uh, man dominion over the world. He sinned, and now he has the keys to the world. And now he, that's why Jesus didn't argue with him. He said, Jesus, you, you see Jerry? You love Jerry. You want to die for Jerry on the cross. You see Jim? You want to die for Jim on the cross. You see Michelle? You love Michelle. You want to die for Michelle. But listen, Jesus, I have a shortcut. You don't have to go through the cross. You love these people. You came and you left your throne in glory to die for them. But you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be, you don't have to go through the flogging and and be nailed to the cross. All you have to do is bow to me and I'll give it to you. The kingdoms of the world. That was Jesus' greatest temptation. Though he's been tempted at all points. So in the same way, Christ knows. But Jesus said, no, he worships God. Notice what Jesus, if you study that, read that, and you find that, what did Jesus do? He didn't catch a fit. He didn't blame somebody else. He didn't get a lawyer. (laughs) What did he do? What was his arsenal to go against and fight temptation? It was the word of God. 
mansion, I'll live by bread alone. <laughs> right? He gave him, he tried to tempt him. He used scripture. Whenever you're tempted, use scripture. Use scripture like Jesus did. So listen, Jesus in all points have been t- tempted. So we can't say, God doesn't understand. He's Jesus. No, but he went through the same that you have been through. We need to trust in the Lord. Go to the word of God and go to the one, a great high priest, who could sympathize with our weaknesses and was tempted at all points, but without sin. Did not sin. Here's the important thing. And, and, and understand this. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to fall into temptation. You'll always be tempted. When will you not be tempted? When you stand in glory before the Lord. <laughs> For now, as long as you have this flesh, right? Now only is fading away, right? Now only the hair, you lose, I'm losing my hair. Not because of great, we're just fading away. <laughs> but when we stand before God in glory, I'm going to be a foot taller. I'm going to have hair. I'm going to be buffed. No, the point, the point is, there's no more battles. The flesh is gone. We're going to have a glorified body. But here's the thing. We not only have a, a high, great high priest that sympathized with us, that's been through what we all been through and are going through right now, today, tomorrow, but we have one that can aid us and help us. The writer of Hebrews wrote back in chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, he wrote this, For in that he himself, speaking of Christ, has suffered, being tempted, here it is, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Well, he set the example. <laughs> he showed you how to use the Bible, the word of God, to, as your arsenal to go against temptation. Write them down. Put them on cue cards. Put them in your wallet. Put them on your, on your refrigerator. Put them on your, on, on your mirror. And the first thing you want to see, maybe not your face, you want to see the mirror. Put the Bible verse. This, this is what I struggle with. And use the word of God. We have an awesome high priest who knows exactly what we're going through. Verse 16 says, let us therefore, because of this, he understand, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's amazing. We have a high priest who understands what we're going through. And, and, and not only that, he's able to aid us, but now we have a limited access to the throne of God. Listen, this was something that was foreign to the Jews back then. He's probably, the first readers of the book of Hebrews are saying, really? Wait a minute, only the high priest once a year is able to go to the Holy of Holies. You're saying we can boldly go to the throne of grace? Yes, yes. We can boldly go to the throne of grace. Now, the, going boldly to the throne of grace doesn't suggest disrespect. It, 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 it doesn't say that we're going to, in that fashion, disrespect. What, what it means is that we can come to Christ uh, with confidence, without hesitation. Unlimited access. Can you imagine? You know what it is to go to the White House? If you can make it to the lawn. <laughs> but can you imagine you have unlimited access to go to the office? Nobody asking you for your credentials? Oh, yeah, I know who he is. Oh, no, he, he could see the president. <laughs> go. Can you imagine? Unlimited access. Boldly go to the throne. Of, we can go to the throne of Jesus Christ, the great high priest. Something that the, 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 the Arianic, uh, uh, the priesthood, all the high priests never had that opportunity. They could, they cannot even think of that. Going into the Holy of Holies? 
every year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And, and quite often, tradition says that sometimes they had a, a rope tied to the ankle, you know, because if that high priest wasn't right, because he had to atone for his sins first. He had to be right before he entered into the Holy of Holies to, atone for, to uh, sacrifice for the sins of the world to put blood on the mercy seat. Tradition says that he would stay in the holies, not the holy of holies, the other room. He would stay there for weeks sometimes because he doesn't want to go home and argue with the wife or argue with the neighbor. Or on his way, you're riding to work on his camel, you know, cut another camel off and somebody call him off and all of a sudden, now what? And so in order for him to be right with God, he would, you know, and, but when he went into the holy of holies, it was always mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy, mercy. And just before he's thinking today, did I, did I repent of this? Did I repent of that? This thought, I'm going into the Holy of Holies now. Mercy, mercy, mercy. You notice the writer says it's not the mercy seat, but it's the, seat. It's the throne of grace. It's the throne of grace. In awe, we can come boldly because of the grace of God. We can be one with God. We can go before his throne because of his son, Jesus Christ, the great high priest. We now go to the throne room of grace, all because of Jesus. Now, for those of you who don't know, mercy is, is not getting what we do deserve. That's what mercy is, not getting what we do deserve. And what do we deserve? We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve the wrath of God because we sin against God. We were enemies with God before the cross. And I'm talking for those who are saved, those who have been born again, those who have repented and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. If you're here and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, this does not apply to you. You're subject to wrath. You deserve the wrath of God. I deserve, before the cross, my BC days, before Jesus, I deserve the wrath of God because of my sins. So I deserve the wrath of God. But here it is. Uh, we come because of grace, right? And grace is getting what you don't deserve. I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve eternal life. I don't deserve Jesus. But because of, you know, salvation is a gift. You know, we don't work for salvation. We're saved by faith through grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. Anything you do will not get you to heaven. It's, then that's works, then what you're doing is what you're saying is the works that I have done, I have every right to go to heaven because Jesus is what I did. I went to church religiously every Sunday, may have missed two. I pray one hour a week and I read my Bible every day. I'm entitled to go to heaven. No, we don't have to do those things. We get to do those things. <laughs> but the reason why you make it to heaven is because of the work that Jesus done on the cross. It's the work he's done. That's why he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I finished. Then he would uh, uh, be right with God, which he's always right with God. But he said, it is finished. What is finished? The work of salvation. He's completed the work at the cross. It's not, I got us this far. You take it from here. Oh, I did this work. I finished this work. Now there are other works that you need to do to make it up. No, it is finished. It is finished. We're saved by the work of Christ. We're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
So now we can come to the great high priest who can sympathize with us, we, who can aid us, and also, you know, one who's... Um, one who's who 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 able to help us whenever we need. I don't know what that means to you. It means a lot to me. We always need help. We're fragile people, and no matter how tough we can get, we need help. And He's there to help us. And we need to be careful that thinking that we don't need anything, we don't need God, we don't need uh, what we don't need to depend on the Lord is a dangerous thing. I tell you, it's a dangerous thing. I've been in the Lord for a long time, and I tell you, I fear God. I fear not being with God. I fear not being in His will because you're either in His will or you're not. There's no between ground, and I want to be in His will. And so we have a great high priest. Now we looked at how compassionate our high priest is, Jesus Christ. Now in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, uh, the writer of Hebrews is now going to give the qualification of uh, a high priest, uh, those that were uh, from Aaron and on. In verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed. So the high priest, Aaron, his descendants, and those after him, uh, up to... A.D. 70, they were all men. They were human beings. They were flesh. Okay? For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. The high priest was the mediator between God and man. The high priest was to intercede for man on behalf of man to God. That was the work of the high priest. And one of the functions of the high priest also was to present gifts and offerings to God on behalf of the people. If you, if you were a Jew in those days, you couldn't go into the Holy of Holies and offer your sacrifice. The high priest had a hard time with that. It was difficult for him, and he only could go once a year. But in order for your sins to be atoned for, you know, that in those days, if you lived in the radius about 20 miles and you were the, over the age of 20, 21, you were required to go into the Passover and bring a lamb and sacrifice a lamb for you and your family. And you would travel with this lamb after weeks of observing that the lamb, you take a, a lamb without spot or blemish, spot meaning any birth defect or, or you know, a blemish, uh, meaning that it was attacked by a wolf or injured in some way. It had to be clean. It had to be pure. And what they would do is take this lamb and keep it in the house. It becomes a pet. And they would hold this lamb to make sure, okay, it's not sick. It's not, you know, doesn't have all, you know, all these sicknesses. It looks pure. So after weeks of holding this lamb, now they travel some 15 miles, 20 miles, to bring it to the temple to have it sacrificed for the family. When they get there, the high priest would look at it and said, no, see that little, little hair? I don't see it, but uh, I see it right there. You see that? No, you don't see that hair? That hair. Oh, sorry, you can't. Not approve. Go to Menachem. He has a sale. And this is why Jesus turned the tables over because they were robbing the worshipers. And then they would bring that lamb. Think about it. And they had to give it to the high priest. They couldn't go in and do the work of the sacrifice. The high priest had to do it. It's sad because after traveling, uh, you know, keeping a, house, a, a lamp for a pet in the house and traveling 15 to 20 miles, you find that after you, it was atoned for you, right, you, you leave Jerusalem and, you, and you, you, you trip over a stone and you say a foul language and now, okay, now I got to wait 364 days now to repent of that sin. It was an ongoing. They would do this year after year after year. 
But they, did, they depended on the high priest to do that for them. You couldn't do it on your own. And so the high priest, one of the things that he would, uh, sacrifice, he would take the sacrifice and do it for you. However, we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who not only is a high priest, but he himself is the Lamb of God. And he himself was a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the world. Think about it. The, the Old Testament sacrifice only covered sin. But the sacrifice through Christ, once and for all, took away sin. God said, I will remember their sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, I would never remember their iniquities. It takes away sin and is done once and for all. You didn't have to go year after year after year after year to bring a lamb and then find out you have to do it next year again. We have a great high priest. Not only is he a high priest, but he paid for our sins once and for all. So he's the lamb of God and the high priest. He took away the sins. In Romans chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the death that he, speaking of Christ, died, he died to sin once for all. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's it. It's done. That's why he said, it is finished. No more. So we have this earthly high priest who would do that. Now, today we don't have a priest. In Christendom, in Christianity, we don't need a priest. We don't need a priest. Jews or Gentile, in Christ Jesus, we're one. We're grafted in. There's no need for a priesthood. In fact, when you look through the scriptures in the New Testament, there isn't a single priest put in place by Jesus Christ or any of the apostles. Today, there are those religious groups that you find that have put into place a priesthood. Any or any claims of a priesthood today is unbiblical. It's unbiblical. The Catholic practice of a high priest what they're, what they're doing is putting into place a priest something that Christ has already undone. Jesus is the only priest that we need. Any priest today goes against Christ and the work that he has done. There is no priest between man and God, God and man. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God, one mediator, between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Yes, there are leadership. There is bishops, uh, pastors, deacons put into place to help shepherd the flock. But never any of these, myself or any pastor, can atone, do the work for sin. That's already been done, you see. So there's no need for a priest. A priest actually wanted to function again was to bring the gifts and offerings. We don't do that anymore. The only thing we offer is worship like we did this morning. We offer worship. We glorify God. But the sacrifice, we don't make sacrifices anymore. Can you imagine coming to Calvary Chapel with a lamb? Oh, where are you going? Cal- oh, yeah, that crazy church up the hill. Mm-hmm. Let me find out. <laughs> you know, you're going up there with a lamb? No. The lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And you not only find priesthood in the Bible, it is, it's not in the New Testament. The only priesthood that you do find in the New Testament includes every single one of you who have been born again. Every single one of you are part of the family of God. Look what Peter writes in his first epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Peter writes this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal 
priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, we weren't a people, but we are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are the priesthood. We're the priesthood. And so any, any practice, any uh, religion that has a priest in place, run. Run. It's not biblical. It's done, Christ has done away with that. The Jews, do, uh, to this day, do not have a high priest. They don't have a high priest. It started with Aaron, and it ended A.D. 70, when the temple was destroyed 40 years after Jesus' resurrection. Okay? And so, think about that. No high priest. They, ne- they have rabbis all around the world, but they don't have a high priest. We do. We have a great high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. And Sally, you know, you, you see this, is that, you know, man tends to look at man, they put a dependency on man, whether it's a priest or a pope or some world leader, sad. And, and they are up there and they get all the glory, the glory that belongs to God. It's not biblical. God never put, you know, a, a priest in place. He puts leaders in place, um, but, that's, but not to put their hope and trust in man. I hope you don't put your trust in me because <laughs> I'm going to disappoint you, I promise. Hope is in Jesus Christ. And Jews, you know, they depended on a high priest. And sadly, to this day, they're still looking for a high priest. And, and just think about it. The, the, the first readers of the book of Hebrews are thinking, let me go back. And he's just bringing this all together. So listen, that was a shadow of things to come. Jesus is a substance. All that is a picture. The temple, the tabernacle was a picture. It's supposed to give a picture of heaven. The cherubims woven into the, 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 the temple veil. And that, that's, that, that veil that separated the Holy of Holies, it, it was woven, it was, it was gold, purple, and some of you scholars let me know. Red, I believe. But you imagine when Jesus was crucified, about that veil, when Jesus was crucified, it says that the veil was torn in two. Now, you may say, well, okay, the veil is torn in two. no. It was torn in two from top to bottom, not bottom to top. Because if it was from bottom to top, then you say, hey, some man, you know, someone cut a little, you know, edge there. The bottom just started to cut and then just ripped it. No, it said it ripped from top to bottom. But here's the interesting thing. It's about 60 feet high. Herod's temple, in Herod's temple is a little bit higher than the tabernacle. 60 feet high. That's how, that's like almost five stories the veil of the temple, five, think about that, 60 feet was torn from top to bottom. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? 
May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. We will be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.